All right, before we really dig in, I have a question. Tell me. Have you watched Shiny Happy People? No. I I did watch the um, trailer for it. Um, literally, like, last night. Um, because Noah was cooking dinner, and he was like, can you find us something to watch? And I was like, you know, kind of scrolling through. And the one clip, she was like, I started watching The Handmaid's Tale in college, and I looked around, and I was like, oh, I'm in it. I was yeah. like, oh my God. You're like too like, dark for tonight, too much. Yeah, well, too dark for Noah for sure. But I like, <laughs> he was still in the kitchen and I was like, I will, I out loud. I'm like 100% going to be yeah. watching that. Yes. Yeah. Have you started? I finished it. It's only four episodes. Um, okay. Flies by. I think they could very well do a season two. Apparently there were like hours of footage left on the cutting room floor. Wow. Um, it is, I've just been, like, so fascinated lately by, like, fundamentalist religious groups for some reason. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's a really good, because it explores, like, the Duggar family, which is, like, 19 kids and counting. But then mm-hmm. it explores, like, the church that they were in and, like, the larger context. And I'm like, right. oh, my God. Because I remembered watching 19 Kids and Counting and being like, oh, this is kind of kooky. They're so weird. <laughs> right. Oh, quirky family. And it's like, like whatever. oh, there was some shit going shit. on. Oh, my God. And because I never watched 19 Kids and Counting, um, but I probably, should I start there or should I watch no. Shiny Happy People? No, okay. you don't. It's just a reality show about this family. They kind of sum it up well enough. They have 19 kids living in one house, whatever. Um, Damn. And it's just like, like, it's, it's, you know, like most cult and crime documentaries, a hard watch, but like, right. A very like victim centered, which is really great. And like okay. telling their stories, which is always good to see. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you like, <laughs> dude, oh my God, I'm so excited now. Okay. And like watching that while doing my research for today was like, oh, this goes hand in hand. Oh, really? Oh my God. Mm. I can't wait to hear what you're going to tell me about. Yes. I did just see the Little Mermaid movie. So I'm in a different headspace. <laughs> different space. <laughs> Do you want to tell people about the show? Yes. Uh, welcome to Disastrous. This is the show where we talk about like the big old scrapes of history, the uh, you know the sharp edges, the mm-hmm. uh oh, the the under the rock surprises, and the oh. real big old mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> I like the under the rock surprises. Like I pictured like. <laughs> Picking up, like, you're just on the beach and you pick up a rock and there's just, like, spiders just explode out of... <laughs> oh! Wow! I was thinking of Patrick no! Starr's home. That's so much worse. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that is a disaster. Yeah, that's a disaster and... <laughs> yeah, Also truly. gross. Um, but I'm Amanda. And I'm Hannah. Yeah, and this is going to be a fun one. I know you've done a lot of research. This is... Wild. It's not necessarily fun, but like so. I know. I was like, is fun the right word? I don't know if that's probably um, not. So wild. I have 24 pages of research. Um, 
we th- we are thinking that this is going to be our first two-parter because <laughs> I didn't want to cut anything out. There's too much interesting stuff. Yeah. And like even and still, I-, I I I cut some stuff down. You know. Yeah, Ugh. and I want to hear all of it. So. Yeah. So. For Pride Month, we are going to be focusing on a history topic of queer importance, and we are going to be looking at conversion therapy. Yeah. Um, So before we dig into it, I'm going to say on the top, here are some resources for queer individuals, because I think those are important to say. Um, Trevor Project is awesome. I did a training with them actually for my job a few weeks ago and they are just like the person who trained us was so lovely and um, they have a text hotline at 678-678. They have an on the phone hotline. You can chat on their website. They also have like a social media space specifically for like queer youths and like it's like moderated. So like, if someone's like being bullying or being like mm-hmm. anti whatever, it's like they're like, no, we're not gonna stand for that. Yeah. If somebody has enough hate in their heart to infiltrate a, the Trevor a social project. <laughs> yeah. the Trevor project, a social media space, then just yeah. get fucked. <laughs> um, so that's great if you know anyone who's like a young person struggling with queerness or depression or anything like that. Um, that's a good resource. If you're more interested in the politics of it, there's uh, nclrights.org, which is the National Center for Lesbian Rights. They um, tell you a little bit more about like political action you can take. And then also there's the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation, GLAD, which mm-hmm. if you were in middle school in like the 2010s and did yep. a day of silence, <laughs> you uh, know yeah. about GLAD. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was a good campaign. Pretty effective, I would say. Mm -hmm. Um, And they have a lot of different like specific resources, which is super cool for like different uh, bisections of your identity. So, yeah, off the top. Love it. And then the other thing off the top is some trigger warnings. Mm, Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, take your Pride Month to be joyful and celebrate uniqueness and find your community and... If you're like, I don't want to engage with conversion therapy information. Yeah, that makes sense. We understand. We yeah. Totally get it. Like for me, my celebration was doing several hours of research. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, Hannah being Hannah, like <laughs> such a research babe. Uh, <laughs> I know. I'm like, I can't believe I used to scoff at research papers and look at me now. Um, and look at you now, <laughs> willingly. Willingly going to source after source. Um, but yeah, like warnings for abuse, anti-queer sentiment, homophobia, self-harm, uh, death by suicide, um, things like that. I'm not going to dive too deep into anything, but they are, unfortunately and predictably a big part of this topic. Yeah. All right. And it wouldn't be doing the topic justice no. to no. to not mention them. Yeah, to pretend that like, oh, this was just a thing that happened and it didn't have an effect. Mm. Can you imagine? If we said Can that? you imagine? Oh I'd be like, God. at the end of the episode, I'd be like, 
Um. <laughs> so. <laughs> Hannah, you said you did 24 pages. I think you were missing something. <laughs> and I think you kind of just read a tweet. Maybe? Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is going to be in part two, I think. But I did okay. uh, dip my toes into conservapedia. Which have Ooh, you ever heard of that? No, it is. I already hate it, but <laughs> it is a conservative-focused Wikipedia, and it is bunkers. Really? Like, oh my god, I want to hear all about the it. The rightest of the right-wing sentiment, the like most conservative, like Christian-forward sentiment. It's like uh. there's like a page under evolution, and it's like the false theory propagated by the liberal media. Um, oh my <laughs> god, you're kidding me! So if you kind of want to like make a fun drinking game or something, and just uh. like have your jaw drop constantly, Conservapedia is good for that. I'm definitely going to be looking into it. Like, I just, when you said it, I was like, do they describe what lizard people are? They're like, the people who rule the government and Hillary Clinton and most babies. And then last disclaimer, we're going to be focusing mostly on gay men. Just because that's Mm -hmm. as, hey, even in queer spaces, you can't get aside from the fact that everything's about men, huh? (laughs) Love you guys. <laughs> hey. <laughs> so we are going all the way back in our little time machine <laughs> to okay. the late 19th century. So okay. we both know, um, I'm assuming, I'm assuming people who listen to us, our demographic of listeners is aware that queerness and homosexuality is not new. Um, mm-hmm. It's existed forever. Like Greeks and Romans, loved that shit like you know women who were living with their best friend and were buried next to their best friend okay (laughs) okay guys all right okay Um, so but the word homosexuality was coined in 1869 and Mm -hmm. as soon as we have a word for it it's it's time to fix it it's time Mm. to change it so (laughs) You know, before then, I think I didn't go too much into this, but I'm sure it was kind of under wraps. People weren't talking about it much, you know, mm. speak, speak not, you know, and it shan't be Speak real. not the devil's name. Yeah. <laughs> like, that bullshit. Like, yeah. Okay. Okay. So what you're saying is like, as soon as we have a name for it, it actually becomes a thing. And yeah. Then and like people science, are going to start to fight it. Yeah. Science is kind of taking off at this time. Mm. Um so in the 1890s, there was the first idea was that homosexuality is a disease. So like an actual, like coming from your physical body affliction. Oh, God. So how are we going to fix it? Castration is like I was going to say, well, because like, you know, the physical thing that happens to your bodies, you get mm-hmm. aroused, right? Like yeah. that's, they're like, how does this disease air quotes, manifest itself. It's like, well, your dick gets hard. Yeah. So uh, if we're working from science and we work backwards. (laughs) Let's just stop the effect instead of (laughs) whatever the. Oh, Lord. 
Um, but that's not the only thing we can do. There was an Austrian endocrinologist by the name of Eugen Steinack. And okay. he was like, I have an idea. What if we take a straight man and we take a little bit of his testicles and we put it into a gay guy's testicles? Oh my God. I'm Amanda? so sorry. I was like speechless for about four seconds there. Like, what are you talking about? This was the first. There were so many things I read that made my jaw drop. And this oh. one, I was like, oh, this is where we're starting? <laughs> right? I was going to say, I was like, we're kicking off here? Yeah. Like, oh, how would that even work? So, I don't know. It didn't. <laughs> it didn't. It so didn't. They were Both like, men died. They like, were like, homosexuality comes from your balls. And there are female puberty cells in your male puberty glands. So they're like, uh-huh. nasty little woman cells are in your balls. <laughs> well, you would think that would make them stronger, right? Like, your balls wouldn't be so sensitive. They'd be, like, just pretty badass. Uh, <laughs> you start getting, like, cramps every month, and you're like, what's going on? <laughs> what's happening here? Um, so in 1916, during World War One, there was a soldier who had tuberculosis, our old friend, all right. up, all up in his testis, test, testicles. <laughs> he had tuberculosis in his testicles. Yes. Cool. Yeah. And the that doctors... doesn't sound made up at all. <laughs> and the doctors were like, "Oh, this is our shot. Let's do it." And so they put a little straight man testicle in his testicles. Don't know where they got the straight guy testicles. I'm gonna say that right now. You would have to like. There is no, was it alive? A, a live it might, man? It might not have been. I don't know. Maybe they because had two TB dude, patients. Approach any man, yeah, gay or straight or in between, and be like, hey, can we have a little bit of your testicles? For what? <laughs> For what? Why? And they were like, we want to do some experiments. They'd be like, fuck off. Yeah, I want to keep these intact. Right. So there were reports, the doctors reported that 12 days after the operation, the recipient was exhibiting heterosexual inclinations. <laughs> <laughs> or was it a, like, a, like, I'll do anything to not have you cut open my balls again. <laughs> Or they're like, hey, you feeling straight now? Hey, hey, bud, how you doing? You feeling straight? Have and you had like, sex with um, a woman yet? Uh, uh, do, do, uh, I, like, I like boobs. Um, they're <laughs> something. Uh, uh, lady boobs. Around. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> round old, old knockers. <laughs> you didn't. <yeah. laughs> feel like so, a couple bowling balls. You know. And that's, How good is that? And that's fun for me. <laughs> Oh, poor guy. Oh, but the immune system doesn't like transplants a lot of the time, and it rejected the transplanted glands. Um, so the whole thing, I don't know what happened to that dude, actually. This okay, I thought you were research. about to tell me. I was like, oh, my God, please don't tell me his ball just fell off. I don't know. This is, oh like, God. research from the ni- early 1900s. It's not. It's shoddy at best. Exactly. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah. The whole thing is written off as harmful and ineffective. Uh, There were some other kind of physical ways to deal with homosexuality. Deal with. (laughs) 
Also, <laughs> if I say things like deal with homosexuality, it's not my personal thinking. I, I was going to say, I was like, it's not coming from you. It's no. coming like directly off the page of yeah. like what was read. Yeah. It's me trying to kind of like make this text less dense. <laughs> like, right. Gotcha. Um, so other kind of physical cures, quote unquote, were bladder washing, which is where you would put a catheter in and flush the bladder with like silver or nitrate solution. Which, oh God! <laughs> oh, is yeah. And then there's also rectal massage, which is where they put a small device in the rectum and is used to massage the prostate. And one doctor hypothesized that this would kill the homosexual cells so that the heterosexual cells could take their place. And I'm like, <laughs> or, or give you the best orgasm of your yeah. life. <laughs> Sarah, Sarah rule is like, oh, I'm going to write another vibrator play about this. <laughs> Seriously. It's like, well, I mean, if you want to give it, show them a good time, then yeah. <laughs> um, that massage. So as the century starts turning, there is a bigger influx of psychoanalysis, right? This mm. is kind of the Freud era um, psychologists are kind of coming into prominence and people at this point were like, you know what? Homosexuality isn't in the physical cells of like your balls or your, your booty hole. Instead, mm. it's all in your brain, mm. which is kind of the working theory people go off of right. today like, who want to more do terrifying. Like, I, think... I don't know whether, like, them being like, hey, we're going to do a testicle transplant versus, like, let's fuck around in your brain a little bit. I think, like, if if the, like, concept of being gay, being a physical manifestation was around to this day, obviously mm-hmm. we would have the medicine to be like, no, you know? But because, mm-hmm. like, psychoanalysis can have a little bit more wiggle room, it gives these, you know, fundamentalist groups and, you know, very conservative anti-queer groups wiggle mm-hmm. room to be like, well, why not? Well, why why not kind of have it yeah. be an affliction? Why isn't it a mental illness, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And it gef- yeah. definitely, I it feels like it can give them a little more wiggle room as to be like, well, are you sure you haven't sinned? Yeah, absolutely. Because... Like, the mind and, like, spirit and whatever else, like, those things you could argue if it is a mental thing Mm -hmm. are connected. And they're like, well, if you're a sinner, then, you know, X, Y, and Z. Like, It definitely gives it a more direct line to the religious kind of connection that we see today. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So... There's a lot of different people kind of taking a crack at the idea of homosexuality and trying to figure out where it came from, um, you know, what caused it, quote unquote. Um, mm. <laughs> so absurd. Um, I know. I was like, that's so wild to me. I know. Like, it's it's right on par with, like, you know, that whole town getting tuberculosis and they were like, oh, it's your dead relative. That's a vampire. They're I know. I know. So, like, the most ridiculous thing. So, of course, Papa Freud, uh, Papa Sigmund Freud, was mm-hmm. like, get me in there. I'm going to figure this shit out. <laughs> so, 
I'm going to dig deep on the Freud stuff because his thinkings and findings get distorted a lot on this topic and kind of can be used, like can be weaponized in a really not great way. So yeah. From what I found in my research, Freud's thinking was children are born inherently bisexual. Okay. And then depending on which, you know, parent they identify with more, that shapes their sexuality. So if you're a man, but you're closer to your mom, then you're Mm going to be attracted to men just like she is. Okay. So the idea is like you're born by and then circumstance and kind of upbringing shape you into either okay. a homosexual So he was or kind of more of the nurture yeah. aspect. Yeah. Like you're born like with kind of a blank slate. Yeah, definitely. And then okay. Yeah. So he also emphasized that homosexuality was not an illness. And he discouraged attempts to treat or cure it. He was like... Okay, Freud. He was like, this isn't... He's like, like, leave him alone. He's like, this is just people being humans, you know? This is just what it is. It's like, would you cure somebody with freckles? Would you go to the ends of the earth? Or or would you just leave them be and maybe taunt them a little bit in middle school? Yeah. Or like, I don't know. I have a charming, witty personality. That's not a disease. (laughs) No. He's like, why are you going to try to fix it? It's like, why? You're going to take away the life of the party. (laughs) uh, She just really likes Legos and we just can't have that. It's like, shut up. up. So he did claim that through hypnosis, the best you might get, the best case scenario that you might get is a gay person gaining like some straight thoughts and attraction. Okay. But he was like, you can't totally get rid of the gay thoughts. You can just, like, make people buy. (laughs) And I'm like, honestly. At best. I mean, like, not at at best, but, like, if if your main goal is to get them on the complete opposite side, it's like, you're not going to get there. Yeah, so success for him just, like, was about making heterosexual feelings even possible. Um, there's one quote, he says, quote, to convert a fully developed homosexual into a heterosexual does not offer much more prospect of success than the reverse. So he's like, you could give a hetero person gay thoughts too, if you wanted to, maybe, kind of. Um, (laughs) I would like, if if I like read that somewhere, I'd be like, are you sure we should be fucking with any of this? Like, I don't, I don't want to. Just, I'm out. I'm out. I can't. I don't. But, like, I do like that idea of, like, well, why do we think that the homosexuals are the ones to be fixed? Why don't we yeah. go with the heterosexuals? Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe the heterosexuals are the real problem, which actually, now that I say it out loud, might be true. Might be historically true. I also really like the phrase fully developed homosexual. <laughs> means like an adult homosexual right yeah right (laughs) (laughs) sure yeah they're like they really came into their own you know um (laughs) so in the mid to late 1900s and even through today people use the techniques he kind of established of like psychotherapy um you know he's the father of like modern day 
psychoanalysis and therapy and psychology and they'll use the techniques that he used and they'll like point to him trying to cure homosexuality and then they don't acknowledge that he eventually said this is not possible you know right this isn't a thing you can achieve yeah he was a scientist and was like here's a hypothesis maybe it's possible yeah and you know what I did the testing. It's not. It's not. Yeah. So maybe everybody go back to your books and your, I don't know, whatever stew you're making tonight and just yeah, call it a day. So the Freud era and then the post-Freud era is, you know, the 1950s, which are considered the gilded age of conversion therapy. Oh. Yeah. And there are a lot of different reasons for this being the time when the U.S. was like, we got to fix this. We got to dig into this. Um, Mm -hmm. Part of it is after World War II, there's kind of this push to return to normalcy. You know, Mm -hmm. there was, um, is that the boomers? Is that the boomer generation? The 50s? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like. Yeah, that's when a lot of them were born. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a return to like the man being at home and being the breadwinner and picket fence, two and a half kids golden Mm -hmm. retriever nuclear family exactly style yep and homosexuality in those days did not fit into that image yeah and um and you see too that like people in positions of power or like authority if they were homosexual they would just hide it as best they can yeah with absolutely which is regard to like they're like i'll lose my job which is part of the Lavender Scare, which was... Oh. Yeah, so right around the time of the Red Scare and McCarthyism, which is where, mm-hmm. you know, Senator McCarthy was incentivizing turning in communists, there was mm-hmm. also something called the Lavender Scare, which was this moral panic around um, homosexuality and queerness. And there were similar kind of incentives to turn in your, like, gay neighbors. And... Oh. God, there was I like hate, I hate that so much. I know. And it's like normalizing this anti-homosexual legislation and action on a government level. You know, it's not just like uh, you know, a random therapist in one state. Now it's like, well, governmentally, top down, we want to say these things about like morals and about who you're allowed to love and about you know, the kind of immorality of sexual desire. Um, and the government was also heinous. I know just like you're caging in not only homosexuals, but you're also caging in the people like their intimate friends, neighbors, parents, like, so there were, um, I only really found this in one source and I didn't dive too deep into it, but Mm -hmm. uh, there were incentives from the government to almost like be straight. So there was, uh, you know, access to welfare, the ability to get a loan, the right to serve in the military. And these are things that we still kind of see being denied to people who are living like alternative lifestyles to the American Mm -hmm. dream. But those things were like quite truly not being given to homosexual people and being offered to heterosexual people. 
Um, well, even in the military, that the don't ask, don't tell was just exactly. repealed. What? Like a few years ago, I think. 10 years ago? Yeah. Maybe? Like, no, it's, that was very recent. Yeah. Um, and it, it was reinforcing this idea that to be a good law abiding citizen, you have to be straight. <laughs> Absolute bullshit. Oh my God. Just how, how <sighs> we even, not we, but like how humans can even come up with this shit is. It's crazy. Wild. It's like, we're going to go against human instinct and things that have been, you know, feelings that have been around for centuries and centuries. Mm-hmm. And now because we've decided that we're basing our country off of mostly Christian values, mm-hmm. we're going to dictate how you like live your life in private. Which is so fucked. So this went hand in hand with the idea that with psychology, you can be straight. Because there were all these psychologists kind of professing, like, I can do it. These psychologists being like, look at my numbers. Look how, like, look at my success stories. And so to the government, because you could choose to be straight, if you are not choosing to be straight, then the government is justified in denying you certain things. Right. It's like, yeah, we don't have to give you a loan because you didn't do the work. Because you chose this. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same idea of like, I I don't know, like you're choosing to not go to work or like you're choosing to be unemployed. It's like there are a lot of times other circumstances. Yeah. Well, I I was just going to say, I was like, that's like, you know, people being like, you're choosing to be poor. So you know what poor people get? Nothing. Bubkiss. Yeah. And you're the one to blame. It's Mm -hmm. very much of that same, like, thought vein. Yeah. Um, People who were arrested and convicted of homosexual activity, uh, which was a thing, were forced. Sorry, I know this is an audio medium, but I just rolled my eyes so hard. Yeah. You know, you give yourself a headache rolling your eyes. Um, so people who were arrested and convicted of that were often forced into conversion therapy treatments because whether they were, you know, going to prison or going to mental asylums, a lot of the time, part of that was conversion therapy. And then there were also, yeah, there were also people who were voluntarily going because they're desperate to fit in. They, um, they're like, well, if I'm queer, I'm going to lose relationships with my friends and my families and my community and my job. You Mm -hmm. know, it's, (laughs) it's really, you put put people in a really hard place when they're criminalized for being themselves. And you're like, you'll lose everything if you're yourself. And they're like, great, fine. I won't be then. Yeah. 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 Okay. You say you can cure me. Yeah. Do it. It's like, I I, mean, it's, I get it. Right. If somebody came to me today and was like, you know, like one of the cornerstones of, of you as a person or like your innate desires or instincts or whatever, you'll lose everything. If you keep that, I'd be like, great. I, I love my family. Yeah. I love my friends. I love my job. Like whatever it takes. I love like being able to have a house. <laughs> like, I love having food and a roof over my head. Those things are nice. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a need. It's a love. I, yeah. I like going to the park just whenever I want to. So, yeah. Oh. 
So Ugh. this is the world that gay people are living in. These are kind of the mm. motivations for reaching for something that we so easily now can be like, that's fucked. But at this time, 1950s, everyone's doing it. <laughs> so trendy. Um, so what? how do we do it? What do we do to quote unquote cure people of homosexuality? Um, there were a lot of different ideas and theories. So there's one particularly gross human being who put his ideas forth. Um, Edmund Burglar. He is considered one of the most important psychoanalysts of homosexuality in the 1950s. So he is okay. like top dog figuring this shit out. <laughs> <laughs> sure he is. Um, I'm sure he is a lovely person to talk with. <laughs> so he really loved using like victim blaming. Um so cute. He, oh. he was like, look, if gay people actually want to change and they go to like the proper psychiatric treatment, 90% of the time they can change. Ah. Uh. Yeah. So he's like, if you actually wanted this and you tried a little harder, you'd be able to. Jeez. It's like telling someone with like ADHD to just focus. <laughs> Seriously. You're like, um, if you wanted to focus, you would focus. And you'd be like, I actually, I do want to focus. Yeah. I do. My brain doesn't let me. Um, but I won't. So he, uh, his methods were confrontational. They included punishing gay people by like publicly bullying them. There was no patient psychiatrist confidentiality. He called them oh. liars. He called them worthless. Um, and again, a lot of that methodology we're going to see in the modern day as well. Um, it <sighs> all speaks to itself, you know? God, so I'm like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I know. I want to give everyone a hug. I know we do. I'm like, can I help make it better? Can I make <sighs> this not have happened? I know it's. Yeah, it's hard. This is, this is, we're going to list out some of the methods, which I think some people might be kind of familiar with. We talked about lobotomies in the past. And I was going to say, I was like, definitely used just a quick flashback to lobotomies. They like 40% of lobotomized patients were gay. Oh my God. I didn't know the stat was that high. Mm hmm. Yeah. It was like, (laughs) It's weird because I believe, if I'm remembering my research correctly, I believe, like, 60 to 70% of the patients were women and 40% of the patients were gay. So it was, like... Interesting. A lot of lesbians. Yeah. Well, that's... And, like, a solid number of gay men. Yeah. like, yeah. Because my... A lot of this research doesn't touch on lesbians as much. And I'm kind of, like, assuming that similar things were happening across the board. But, Mm -hmm. and I'm sure it was, but, you know, they're kind of just talking about gay men most of the time. Um, Right, right. So, uh, they also used electroconvulsive shock therapy. And then the other big one was aversion therapy. Um, Okay. 
Now, aversion therapy is some whacked ass cult shit. Um, so, ju- I just want to ask yeah. one quick thing because I've heard the term aversion therapy, and in one of my uh, classes in college, maybe it was probably a psych class, but um, we studied this thing called taste aversion. Mm. So. It's when you eat something and get sick, and then you have yeah. a really time, really time. You have a really hard time eating it ever again. Yeah. Is taste aversion? Yeah. Um, I'm guessing similar. Similar. Same. Okay. If I'm not, it might not be referring to this, but I know that a lot of these concepts of how to treat homosexuality also came from treating drug addiction and treating alcoholism um and like other kinds of addiction so i'm not sure if that's what this is kind of connected with but okay can i ask though if if you were like an alcoholic and they were like all right we're just gonna zap you a bunch of times until you don't want to drink i'd be like i'm definitely gonna need a drink after that like yeah nothing's gonna make me want to drink more drink more (laughs) Being oh. electrocuted. Uh, something to numb me out? Yeah, sure, I'll take it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so aversion therapy is where you give queer people, like, chemicals that made them vomit or, like, electric shocks or, like, induced paralysis when they, like, watched gay porn or, like, looked at pictures of their lovers or, like, um, you know, had gay thoughts People were encouraged to wear a rubber band around their wrist and then snap it when they got too, like, aroused by same-sex images or thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, and God, I think this might be yeah. the episode where I cry. Like, uh, it, that it, it could very it. well be true. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, yeah. like, ugh, the, the personalization of, like, using a photo of, your lover in that way is like pretty that heartbreaking that's the thing that got my eyes to water just now i was like yeah your your person yeah your partner your best friend lover whatever it is and they're like all right well we're gonna show you this person and uh then we then we hurt you and then we're gonna paralyze you for a little like, bit oh it's just so God, and they're at home being like oh well I hope they're having a good time (laughs) they're sitting in a circle talking about how much they love me (laughs) oh no um so there there was also you know group therapy and talk therapy Mm -hmm. um they (laughs) they were kind of given like techniques to boost up their masculinity (laughs) They were like, gay men just need to be more masculine. Um, And this is kind of coming from some Freudian theories of like, well, it's because your dad was like a weak, was like weak and unassertive and your mom was too controlling and that's why you're gay. Oh, dear. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Uh, Well, and I can see like from us now, we're like, well, that's very dumb (laughs) it's a very silly reasoning for this but i can see like you know like we've seen we've done so many episodes of like how 
fucking dumb people were. Yeah. And, it's and a- they're like, we're reaching. We're reaching for anything. And, you know, if we just stand firm mm-hmm. on this wild, wild theory and we're just like, this is it. This is the one. We'll tell you. It's like, it makes sense. If you believe thing number one, it's very easy to make thing number two make sense. Yeah. Oh. Um, they were given, like, dating skills <laughs> and, like, pickup lines. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. <laughs> so fucking I'm wondering funny. what kind of pickup line you would use on a woman that you wouldn't use on a man. Like I know. <laughs> like I'm sure there are some, but they're like, hey, nice knockers. Right? It's like, like, I like uh I like that you have breasts and not a penis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like what do you think you could say to me that I'd be like, oh, <laughs> you probably couldn't say to a man and he'd be like, oh, but also like knowing like the kind of gender roles at the time. It's probably like, you look like you could bake a mean casserole. Right. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, oh, he would never say that to a man. <laughs> um, You're like, I can. I can. <laughs> Hot roast, but yeah. So this wasn't fringe stuff either. Like I said, like this is the gilded age of, you know, conversion therapy. There are articles and like magazines and papers and books like all over. People are speaking at conferences. This is what the medical establishment is like going off of. Um, there was a 1965 issue of Time magazine, which included an expert. Uh, an excerpt by Dr. Samuel Haddon, who was, you know, a, a reigning psychoanalyst, anti-homosexual mm-hmm. person at the time. And he said, quote, one reason why homosexuals are so rarely cured is that they rarely try treatment. Too many of them actually believe they are happy and satisfied the way they are. So again, it's like, oh, you don't know what's good for you. Yeah, I was like, you just acknowledged why this shouldn't be a thing. Yeah. It's like, too many people are happy. Like, and, and what of it? And, and that's That's bad? the problem? Like. <laughs> Confused. Get fucked. Um, so the article shared that his, uh, this article shared his research about homosexual males responding well, to group therapy in which patients shared and interpreted each other's dreams, worked through their hostilities, and tried to be less effeminate. <laughs> okay, well, the the first two... Yeah, kind of cute. <laughs> kind of cute. <laughs> They're like, oh, we're having a good time. Like, we're, we're just in group therapy. Like, this is good. And yeah. I'm like, well... <laughs> they I like, don't like that last one. And it's also like they started dating women, and it's like, hey Johnny, like heard you heard you got a dame's phone number, like good job on you. <laughs> Let's Jesus. definitely not meet up later. <laughs> <laughs> you know if uh, if you got a girl's number and then I got a girl's number and we can meet up and share notes. Look down the hall, there is a group <laughs> therapy session. Did you know ladies can like ladies? There's a group therapy session for them. Now, look, I say we all do some homework together. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they just divide up into two different rooms. 
<laughs> we're like, all right, you pretend to date this guy. I'll pretend to date this girl. Yeah, it's just and beards it, left, right, and center. Beards. It's just everybody's got a beard. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you come in with like 10 questions about that person that you're not at all attracted to. And you're like, I'm going to learn all this stuff about you. So if anybody questions us. I know what your favorite flower is. Yeah. <laughs> no, exactly. no, no, wait. I can't know what your favorite flower is. That would make no, me No, you don't gay. like flowers. You don't like flowers. <laughs> all right. I know what your favorite uh, tool is. <laughs> Uh, must Mustangs, uh, vroom vroom. <laughs> so ridiculous. Um, so ridiculous. We, you must laugh at the ridiculousness, or else we would cry. Um, and if you want to hear us cry for a whole episode of Disastrous, email us at disastrouspod.com.com. Yeah. Email us at disastrouspod at gmail.com. And um, if we, we can get make a, it enough requests for it. We could probably do that. <laughs> so by 1952, this is so widespread that the American Psychological Association, the APA, which is, you know, still around to today, still the biggest yeah. kind of network of mental health resources. Still in the crossword. Mm-hmm. They, <laughs> that's how you know it's still big. <laughs> that's how you know we're nerds. They classified homosexuality as a mental disorder in the DSM. Uh, so the DSM is the Diagnostic Statistical Manual of Mental Mental Disorders. So mm-hmm. if you've ever submitted like an insurance claim for therapy uh, on your super bill, you have a code that specifies like what's going on with you. So mm-hmm. for example, like F thirty three point nine is unspecified recurrent major depressive disorder, for instance, right? Okay. So it's just like a way of being like. Hey, this person's in therapy for this reason. Let them get money back. (laughs) Um, Right. And just, like, codifying things, making it easier. Um, And homosexuality in this very... I think it was the first one. I could be wrong there. But homosexuality in this manual had a code. Okay. (laughs) So people could be like, this is the mental disorder they're here to work on. Jeez. Yeah. So, at the time... There are lots of LGBT activists pushing back on this, naturally. Mm -hmm. There were um, people like Franklin Kameni, and they were a little bit successful in persuading governments that gay men and lesbians should have civil rights protection. Um, And there were also some allied scientists and mental health professionals. In 1953, absolute icon of the millennium, Dr. Evelyn Hooker, she was kind of invited into gay culture by a friend and she was like one of the cool in the know heteros. <laughs> Love <laughs> and, it. And Love so to see it. She submitted for a grant to do a study on homosexuality to disprove that it was a mental illness at all. Um, right. And actually the organization she applied to was like, look, if you get this grant money, we don't know why you got it and you don't know why you got it got it because it was it had to be like so on the dl that they were endorsing like proving that normal homosexuals existed right yeah wow yeah it was (laughs) i mean like i love that kind of like underground dude i there's a lot i love her the whole article on her every time i was like yes dr hooker you're killing it um, so it was referred to as the Fairy Project in Washington, D.C. 
Just so fucked. But it was. <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, listen, a uh, little on the nose or a Look, little. Um... We don't have time. We got to breeze right past that, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we could, no, we could spend time talking about that. <laughs> um, but it was largely successful in proving that there's no connection between what they called mental maladjustment and homosexuality. There, there. She disproved that it was a mental illness, and um, at a few years later, in 1969, there were the Stonewall riots, and mm-hmm. of course, those kind of reshaped and brought into prominence the struggle for gay liberation, and uh, because of Dr. Hooker's research and because of activists kind of being thrust into the spotlight more. Uh, in 1973, the APA removed homosexuality as a mental disorder. Nice. Good job, yeah. Dr. Hooker. And activists. Um, don't get too happy. <laughs> they okay. <only laughs> it gets it's, worse. Every effing part of this research was like, this happened, but then this happened. <laughs> so... They replaced the categorization of homosexuality with, quote, sexual orientation disturbance and ego-dynostic homosexuality. So, yeah. It's like they just put it into new names. Yeah. And the second one we're going to look at for a second. Mm -hmm. So, ego-dynostic homosexuality is aimed at patients who are distressed and sad about their sexual orientation. So, this is valid. It's super complex. It's being, you know, dealing with sexuality at any point in time of history, even to this day, can bring up different emotions. Yeah. But the problem is, by diagnosing it that way, they're considering internalized homophobia as a mental illness. I was just about to say, yeah. I was like, that, that diagnosis sounds like pressures from society, family, yeah. just your general atmosphere is giving you anxiety about being yourself. Not yourself. You, like, it's not you that feels this way about you. It's yeah. you feel depressed that everybody else feels this way about you. So and that fucking sucks. I wrote down instead of being like I'm sad and gay, it's like I'm sad cuz I'm gay, which like mm. isn't great. <laughs> isn't Not good great. at all. Um, no, we don't love that. And you're mm. sad because everyone's telling you you shouldn't be gay. So the reason that this is was kind of important in my opinion and requires a little fleshing out is mm-hmm. because it's very similar to what happened and the backlash in 2013. So in 2013, the DSM included gender dysphoria, um, which a lot of trans folks and non-binary folks were uh, diagnosed with. But again, it's it's like you're telling genderqueer, trans, non-binary individuals that the distress around gender is a them problem instead of a society problem. You're telling them that they're the problem. Exactly. And that's not what it is at all. Yeah. Like if we were 
inclusive and understanding and empathetic and loving to our, you know, trans, all those things, you wouldn't be aiming, you wouldn't be pointing the finger at them. Yeah. You'd be, you'd be like, it sucks that your family doesn't understand. Yeah. And also, but like, that's a them problem, not and a also you like, problem. It, 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 it can be really scary to try and figure out your gender, especially when if you figure out something that doesn't align with how you were born, you know you're going to be villainized. Like, of course, that would be distressing, you know? Absolutely. So. But I think that our, our job in this society is to allow people that space, that grace, mm-hmm. that that understanding and openness that it's like, hey, if you were born like cis, cis whatever, that doesn't matter. Yeah. The whole world is open to you. You can identify with something or not identify with something, and that's okay. You're still going to be loved and accepted by your friends, family, coworkers, literally anybody on the street. Yeah. You will not be denied anything because of that. Like, yeah. that's the world that I want to live in, but. I know, right? That'd be so nice. But alas. I know, cons- I was like, oh. <laughs> but alas, She's conservapedia like- exists. <laughs> <laughs> alas, conservapedia. Um, oh, and I think Somebody that- hack that shit. <laughs> just replace all the all of the entries with just, like, gay porn <laughs> images. <laughs> and they're like, hey, look up conservapedia. It's hilarious. Yeah, you're really going to like it. Um, <laughs> like, look up libtard, and <laughs> and, then he, and you're going to see something <laughs> wild. But, yeah, I think that a lot of this research kind of speaks to a lot of the debates going on nowadays around trans identities and, mm. you know, what that means. And, like, I feel like nowadays people are looking for, like, a quote-unquote cure for transness you know rather than maybe being like hey this might just be how people are and it's hey it doesn't affect me Mm. at all it doesn't affect me at like for me and you it affects us because we we have trans people in our lives like what pains them pains us Mm. but like the fucking conservapedia assholes. They're like, and I'm like, it doesn't affect you. Why yeah. are you trying? Like, are you upset that all these trans people won't fuck you? Like, is, is that, that what it? you're upset about? Uh, if that's what you're upset about, we can talk about it in group therapy, but this <laughs> is not like a, like, let's put down some legislation. Let's burn books. Bullshit. I'm like, sorry that people nowadays don't agree with your old dusty book. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Your old Not dusty sorry, book <laughs> doesn't run the world, even though you no. want it to. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's like history truly comes around every oh, time. And like all these debates about the, you know, diagnostic manuals and fixing. And um, we're going to get a little bit more into like government legislation in part two. Um, mm-hmm. It's all so similar to... You know, the experience of, you know, trans individuals nowadays, I feel like. So, there's a tepid victory around the DSM, right? Mm -hmm. We win, we get homosexuality taken out, but we do get these two other terms that are kind of 
coded and weighted. Mm-hmm. Um, queer activists were starting to kind of create spaces for themselves, though, in much bigger ways. There were centers starting to form that provided queer people with psychiatrists and psychologists and um, folks in emotional support professions that were gay affirming rather than being like gay converting. <laughs> yeah, I was like gay denying or yeah, whatever. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and like gay people need therapy that isn't about like <laughs> making them not gay. Um, yeah, what about just life? It's. Yeah already hard um in 1987 ego diagnostic homosexuality is removed from the dsm so they got rid of that which is awesome Great. um and the popular opinion on conversion therapy is starting to shift around the 1980s people are no longer seeing it as necessary or moral and in 1998 the american psychological association again the apa acknowledged the risks involved with conversion therapy which include depression, anxiety, self-destructive behavior. Behavior, You know, there are individuals self-harming, um, hurting themselves, committing death by suicide, and the APA is finally, like, the risks so much outweigh the reward that doesn't exist. In 2001, the U.S. Surgeon General issued a report that, quote, there is no valid scientific evidence that sexual orientation can be changed. So, good. Yeah, finally. And you're like, that's that, let's move on, but no. (laughs) By the late 2000s and 2010s, every major medical and mental health organization in the U.S. has issued a statement condemning the use of conversion therapy. So all the big organizations are like, we are done. This is, we're not doing this anymore. Um, so story's over and we don't need a part two, right? <laughs> oh boy. The story's not over. And everybody lived happily ever after. And everyone's happy and no one else was ever harmed. And, and we all <laughs> lived in a big shiny castle and we flew our flags proud. Um, So that is the end of this kind of gilded age of conversion Mm. therapy. Now, we're going to split this into part two, because I think I've already been talking for over an hour, I think. Um, I liked it. (laughs) I learned a lot. And I maybe didn't type up the rest yet. Uh, (laughs) I need to organize my thoughts a little. No judgment here. (laughs) <laughs> um, in part two, we're going to cover some of the like legislation and current day legislation, current day kind of late 90s and current day examples of, you know, how conversion therapy still exists. Mm-hmm. Um, things like lawsuits, things like people coming out and sharing their stories. And then also like the there's something called Exodus International which is the 1970s, one of the biggest proponents of conversion therapy. And some crazy shit happens really? with them. So Ooh, there's a little teaser. I can't wait to hear about that. I can't wait to tell you once I get all my thoughts together <laughs> and type it all up in a little paragraph. Um, but yeah, that's all for right now. And you're just going to have to tune in next week to hear more. Yeah, definitely tune in next week. And um, if you have any 
thoughts, comments, concerns, anything like that, uh, yeah. please email us at disastrouspod at gmail.com. Um, we're on Twitter. We're doing recaps right now uh, at disastrouslypod with the L-Y. And uh, we on TikTok. post to Instagram. Did I? What did I say? Yes, a Twitter. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm bad. All right. So we are posting recaps on uh, TikTok, um, on Twitter right now. Fuck. On TikTok right now. So tune in for that. Uh, we'll just post them to Instagram and uh, comment on yeah. anything that you want to. And if you have ideas or thoughts or stories regarding this story or others, uh, please let us know and... Yeah. And also, um, this topic, I mean, all of our topics, I love hearing feedback from on Mm -hmm. this topic in particular is so wide ranging. And so Mm -hmm. there is no one queer experience. There is no one Mm -hmm. queer identity, queer history, queer, what, you know, like, so if, if I got anything wrong, please let me know. Don't be afraid. Or if I said anything kind of like not right like we're in the community um mm-hmm. but that does not mean we're perfect <laughs> yeah. so please let us know any notes i love if, notes if, yeah love notes um we're research babes so uh well this has been disastrous i'm amanda and i'm hannah and we love you so much and respect you and this one goes out to our lgt lgbtq plus friends and allies And we will catch you on the flippy floppy. Bye. Bye.